Coming up this week on Breaking Badness, today we discuss Fraud City, SEC charges solar winds and SISO with fraud and internal control failures. Next up, end day, but today, discussing the session hijacking via Citrix Netscaler, ADC, and gateway vulnerability. And of course, our fun game, Gold Guidance and Grievances. With that, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 172, recorded on November 6th, 2023. I'm your co-host, Callie. Solar winds in the east, mist coming in, Fencil. And with me is co-host Taylor, the ego, the super ego, and the open id, <laughs> Wilkes Pierce. I'm going to assume that's open ID. Uh, and last but not least, Tim. Glad I'm not the other Tim Helming. <laughs> Open id would be pretty good though, as like the open source version of the, of the id. Yes. <laughs> I don't think we need any more of those. We're good. Plenty yeah, of those. Yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> Callie, I well, it, it's always a good sign when you crack up during somebody's uh, nickname. Oh yeah. Segment of the show. I always like that. I'm so. I, I I'm like so- it as the most when you crack up over your own. By the way. <laughs> that's my favorite <laughs> well my yeah my i'm my own best source of entertainment i probably shouldn't be i shouldn't be laughing at my own jokes <laughs> no i think it's great because what else are you going to do in the doctor's office right i know right Those waiting rooms are so boring I, you got you got my it's my, a mary poppins reference right i knew it was familiar but i i yeah that's i haven't seen mary poppins in a couple of decades Oh yeah, it's, huh. it, it holds up. <laughs> I'll be honest. I thought it was one of those like old sailor phrases, you know, like oh, it's guys right. at night, sailors delight. <laughs> no, there's like there's a scene where the the chimney sweep Bert is, you know, winds in the east, mist coming in. <laughs> <laughs> and that's uh, that's one Dick Van Dyke, right? Yes, yes. What a what a talented dude. He He's is. so talented. I can't. Mm. Yeah, I, I love him. So uh, what's what else is going on, you guys? You, you decorate for Christmas or you don't you don't do that yet? No, you're not. Gotta, you're not. Can't do that until after Thanksgiving. That's for what me, I anyway. that's what I think. Oh, yeah. You grab the tree right you know, a couple days after Thanksgiving. The, yes. the, I mean, even though Halloween is past, it's still decorative gourd season. Blanky blankers. <laughs> Mother friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're still in the middle of the gourd season, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 For sure. I just, I didn't know where where y'all fell on the spectrum of uh, holiday. I saw a sign online. I wish I had seen it in person. It was, uh, the, you know, one of those reader boards at a oil change place, and it said, uh, pumpkin spice oil changes are back. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say that the pumpkins that we carved for Halloween are now uh, kind of the, the gourd, the bad and the ugly. Ooh, I love that. <laughs> some of them, some of them have a brief period of looking it, it, like 10 times scarier than they did on Halloween. hundred uh, percent. The squirrels because of the are, way they start to decompose. Yeah. Also getting in there and attacking them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. Do you, should we uh, should we talk about some uh, some infosec? Probably we probably let's this go is to the what, cybers. 
this is what it is. This is the show. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So first up, we have Fraud City, uh, which, you know, we're going to talk about the SEC. SEC. That's hard to say. I feel like these letters, you know, just uh, melt together so easily in my Mm. mouth. (laughs) Not the the, uh, not the basketball conference, by the way. True, true. That's that is a different SEC. <laughs> uh, so they, I feel like Tay wants to say something about basketball. Nope. No, 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 no. But <laughs> basketball's back, baby. Uh, can I can I digress really quickly? I know, I know it's so early to digress, but can you I? You don't need to ask permission. I so so I, I, li, li, people who listen to the show regularly know I'm from Cleveland. So our our team is uh, the Cavs. And I just love like, does it? You guys don't have a basketball team anymore, right? In Seattle, that's that hurt. It's still salt hurts. It's in still, the wound. Still hurts. Salt in the wound, still right hurts. there. Yeah, that's what that's what my husband told me. He goes, "Yeah, it probably you probably shouldn't talk about it with them." <laughs> <laughs> but um, like we have like a we had a local celebrity who made a song about the Cavs, and it's like Cavs basketballs tonight, tonight. And uh, I'll have to send it to you. I should put it in the show notes, but it's Y'all like, have the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame near there, right? We do. And this is what we're going with. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, just Cleveland rocks. This has been scientifically established. <laughs> it, do- it does, in fact, rock. Anthony Bourdain said so. Not to brag, but anyway, like the song is like all of like, it's just like pleading with our team, please be good at basketball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't care what other things you're good at. Just please just, be good at basketball. Can you just please? <laughs> you know, I always thought as a charity fundraiser type thing, there should be a day every year when all the teams rotate and play each other. So the basket, you know, the Cavs play baseball uh-huh. and, uh, and the Browns play basketball and, uh, the, then nobody wants uh, to play football. Nobody, no. <laughs> yeah. And the, but contractually, what, they can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that that's a good point. It would have to be flag football, I suppose. Yeah, there you uh, go. But you know, they all they all rotate. I would love that. I would see that. I, yeah, yeah. It could be fun to that. watch. Yeah. Oh, of course. You know, those anybody that's a professional athlete, when you look back in their in their past in high school, like typically they played all of the sports and they excelled at all oh, of yeah. them. Yep. Uh, so Mike, Michael Jordan like it might not baseball. be such an embarrassment, really. Yeah. He played a lot of golf, too. <laughs> yeah, we actually, so like one of the Cavs players, um, J.R. Smith, uh, retired from basketball, went to college and is yep. playing golf in college. And it's a great golfer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, uh, you know, these pro athletes are standard deviations. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> beyond us in terms of uh, you know motor control, much fine motor control. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I also no, like. True. I do think Travis Kelsey is pretty funny too. He was very good on SNL. Oh, I'll have to check it out. I missed it. It was so good. I highly recommend it. There, I want to say there was an NBA player who went and just became like a, a TV writer. Oh. <laughs> and like isn't a yeah. I'm gonna <laughs> look that up well, later. Yeah, I'll have to look Rex that up. Chapman could have done that. I don't know if he did, but you know, he's pretty articulate. Save some talent for the rest of right? us. Right? Seriously. Yeah, really. <laughs> you can't be really funny, good looking and athletic. It's not cool. You know what's weird no. too is like when there's like cross like noter like fame in the family so it's like you have um oh no like i i start these sentences and then i forget the names of people mike 
uh, Mike Love of the Beach Boys. He's very talented. And then you have Kevin Love, who played who played on the Cavs. It's like, what is all this talent in one family? Yeah. Anywho. So not that SEC, long story short. <laughs> <laughs> now that we've firmly established that. It is, it is this We didn't even talk about college basketball anyway. No, we didn't. <laughs> no, but it does pro. start tonight. But Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Tonight, tonight's the night. Mm-hmm. Uh, but okay. So the SEC is charging Solar Winds and their chief information security officer with misleading investors on its cybersecurity practices and known risks. So Solar Winds is back in the news again. And we, we've talked about it a few times on the podcast. Um, I should link to all of the episodes because it's a handful. Hmm. Um, but Tim, is it? I guess just to catch people up, if if they happen to not know, uh, can you briefly describe what happened? Maybe set the stage a little. Yeah, for folks who just became infosec pro- professionals like <laughs> ten minutes before downloading this podcast, right? Um, but no, I, I mean there may be there may be folks who are newer who didn't hear as much about this uh, incident. So the incident in question that got uh, solar winds, unfortunately, on the map for a lot more people than they were already on the map for, um, was um, what you could think of really as the case that put this whole idea of supply chain attacks into the general awareness. Now, people knew, of course, that supply chain attacks could occur prior to that, but it became kind of a household term as a result of that. So what was discovered in December of 2020 was that SolarWinds flagship product, which is called Orion, uh, had a compromise in it that made users of that Orion software, which is a very popular infrastructure monitoring and management platform, made them vulnerable to incursions by external parties and those incursions, boy howdy, they did happen. Uh, And customers didn't realize this uh, at first since the backdoor was embedded in software that they already trusted. In other words, you know, if they're scanning their environment for unexpected binaries, well, that's not going to turn up anything unusual. At least not, it's not going to turn up this particular uh, flaw because it was in software that they expected to be there. Um, So you had thousands of organizations and a lot of them are very large ones that have been infiltrated as a result of this. Um, It was a big deal at the time and it still is a big deal. And as you're kind of alluding to, we can take to the bank that we have not yet seen the full scope of the effect. So definitely one of the largest hoodie events that, you know, I think we've talked about on this show. Ooh, I don't, I wasn't here for the, for those episodes. Do you happen to remember hoodie rating at the time? Was it higher than 10? No, it wasn't higher than 10, but it was probably, it was know, up there. We cranked it, it to was 11. Up there. <laughs> you cranked it yeah. To and well, and at the time we also, we didn't, we probably did a show about it before we really knew, before anybody really knew what the extent and the impact was going to be. So, you know, and in a lot of cases, I kind of hedge my hoodie ratings saying we haven't seen the last, uh, the last page hasn't been written on this particular event. And so that could change, that could make my rating obsolete down the road. And yeah. it was, it may have been sort of like that. And I tend to reserve 10 hoodies for like, m- my power just went out because Iran is in the grid, you know, mm. but, uh, um, it's, uh, it was right. Re- it was at least nine. That's fair. So in prepping for this discussion, I, I took a look at a few other articles, um, 
And some say that the the Saizo of Solar Winds explicitly knew uh, he was defrauding investors. But in this release that we're sharing in our show notes um, from the SEC, it depicts the Saizo Tim Tim Brown, the other Tim Tim Brown, um, as someone who did state that the remote access setup was quote unquote not very secure. So I'm just wondering, like, is this more of a case of he knew and just didn't raise it up the flagpole enough? Yeah, I mean, I think that's at the essence of what the SEC is asserting here. So it's to be clear, it's not illegal to have security issues, um, but it's getting more illegal to say that you don't have them when, in fact, you know that you do. Uh, And so the charge here is that Mr. Brown had information from within his security team that there were quite serious exposures that rendered the company and therefore potentially and in reality, as we now know, its customers vulnerable. And he didn't act with sufficient urgency on those issues and that he willfully understated them in order to avoid reputational harm and therefore commercial risk. So as a public company, SolarWinds is required to assess and report on, among other things, uh, risks to the business in its uh, filings with the SEC. And the SEC is making a decent case here that he omitted material facts in these filings. Gotcha. So, um, so would he have been implicated had he made it more known what the risks, what those risks were? Yeah. So that's, it's a little bit hard to say, but I, Odds are, in my opinion, he would be in a lot less hot water now if he'd been forthcoming about these issues um, more so. And something that strikes me as I think about this story is we're living in a time, and this was also true in 2020, although I think it's even more so now, when it's not as damning as it used to be to have a vulnerability and acknowledge it, even if it's a pretty serious vulnerability. And, you know, By this point, many or even I would say most of the biggest players in networking and InfoSec uh, have disclosed some really serious vulnerabilities. You know, Tay's going to talk about one of them in a few minutes here. And uh, remember that huge deal with Barracuda recommending uninstalling uh, their appliances? Yes. That was was like a huge deal. We talked about that a couple months ago. Yeah. So (laughs) as the industry has matured, people have come to understand it's not realistic to expect a company to be free of vulnerabilities. But what they do expect is that they'll be forthcoming about them and transparent about their efforts to resolve them. Um, So it's hard to say from a hypothetical perspective, but I think if he'd been more honest and dare I say serious about what he knew prior to the sunburst incident, things would be going better for him and for solar winds right now. Um, It's even conceivable that they might have been able to prevent the issue. But even if they hadn't, there wouldn't be this insult added to the injury that we're seeing right now. It's so crazy how um, honesty is the best policy is what, you know, like we just kind of going through life like that's okay. It's 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 true. Yeah. 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 So so you had mentioned, you know, they might have been able to prevent the issue um, like do we do we know the scope of what they would have had to do to to correct the security insufficiencies? No, we don't entirely know that. And by the way, it's okay that they didn't disclose exactly uh, what they knew was wrong at the time, since that would have made it easier for adversaries to exploit them. Uh, now, I do think it's important to acknowledge here. Um, sort of in their defense, there's not an absolute blueprint for how much to disclose about this. So the SEC says that 
uh, what SolarWinds disclosed in its 8K filings was merely in the realm of, uh, quote, generic and hypothetical, unquote, risks rather than what they actually knew about. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I have read a lot of uh, 8K and other SEC filings on various companies over the years. And it is very common in those filings to state risks to the business in general and hypothetical terms because you can't necessarily predict all the things that could hit you. Um, and I'm sure that's going to be part of their defense in this case. You know, if every company disclosed exactly what its security issues were, it would be a feeding frenzy uh, for adversaries and the public. Read investors uh, would lose confidence in all these companies and not just in the security or IT sectors, but every company that could lose value in the event of a significant breach. Um, so, so stepping back, this is kind of like when you have charges of criminal negligence in you know some some realm or another, you're, the law it doesn't say that you have to be perfect, but it says that you're expected to be honest and to practice due diligence. And if you don't, and if it can be demonstrated that you were willfully and kind of flagrantly ignoring um, either duties that you had to perform or knowledge that you had that was adverse um, that you were sitting on, well, that gets you in trouble. Um, and so, but no, we don't know all the details about how they could have prevented the compromise. There, there are some, I mean, in retrospect, from a forensic perspective, uh, there is more that's known. There was a really great article. I'll try to get this. Uh, I'll, I'll get you a link to this in the show notes. I think it was in Wired um, several months ago that went into a lot of detail about this incident. Um, but as far as, so understanding it forensically from a, um, from a technical perspective, um, there's pretty decent understanding, even publicly, about what allowed that to happen. However, trying to knit together the things that were being told to Tim Brown and within his organization in the months prior to the event um, versus, and what, you know, the SEC wishes he would have said or whatnot, um, versus uh, what would have specifically had to be done to secure the Orion software, you know, I think that's a little bit harder to try to piece together in retrospect. Gotcha. I'm so sorry. I had to take a brief break because I was like, isn't Tim Brown also the author of the Arthur books? But I don't think that's the case. <laughs> Tim Brown wrote The Secret? <laughs> hey, I've got a fun headline for you from Tim April 18th, 2023. <laughs> Solar Winds CISO. Tim Brown named CISO of the Year by Globy Cybersecurity Awards. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, oh. That didn't age well. Nope. It did not. <laughs> Tim, I have. I seriously don't envy folks that job, though. No. I, it's, it's, I mean, it's got to be in some ways very rewarding, but my oh my, how stressful. And it's when I first saw the headline about this, I sort of cringed. And then when I read it, when I read the more details about what the SEC is asserting here, it did make me lose some sympathy because I thought, you know, that's, it's, this is like with a negligence case. It's it's okay that they had some issues, but it really sounds like he sat on more information than he should have. Oh boy! Yeah. I, yeah. Go ahead, Kelly. Oh no, no, you you can talk. 
I, I was just gonna say, yeah, I mean, like, it, it seems like an impossible job to be it, uh, where like everyone else at the executive level just gets to like walk away, and then Tim Brown is left holding the bag for the SEC. Um, yeah, you know, I, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't want that job. Yeah, I, I <laughs> like, I, I see why they're why these charges are coming, and it does appear that there's like some willful negligence here where you know we knew things weren't great and we it, but it's also that's a tough job like there's you're probably juggling a lot of things that aren't great and you're making the least worst decision generally at all times that's uh, right and you know i it, like i worry that the reaction to this is not necessarily going to be like more secure companies it's going to be companies that don't put this stuff on record at all <laughs> right like hey we, you yeah. know this stuff just won't you know no way it's like oh hey just bury it right like um, but i think i think in that i think the that could be true but they're gonna really um when something happens when something gets disclosed and you know it it, it in whatever way and often an uncontrolled way that it gets disclosed, um, there's going to be there's going to be lawsuits by their customers. There's going to be all kinds of things that are going to come out in discovery and whatnot. So yeah, yeah it's not lost on me that this is all happening because people lost money and the SEC yeah, is involved, right? right? Like because uh, like the other side of this are very is a very skilled set of attackers that oh, yeah. spend a lot of time trying to break into things nonstop. And so like, uh, you know, <laughs> like there's zero chance for accountability there, but because people lost money, the CISO is all of, is accountable. It kind of makes you wonder, you know, did the SEC like talk to the folks over at CISA and say, look, is, you know, is this, I mean, is this reasonable? Um, is, is this going to, what kind of chilling effect is this going to have on other CISOs and, and best practices within organization. Cause again, it, it does come back to, you don't want to, you don't want to alarm people and tell them that the house is on fire. Although if you're really being negligent, um, then, you know, <laughs> I guess then you get the, the consequences that you get. And I'm not going to sit here and judge whether, yeah. um, whether they truly, I mean, I'm not the judge of this case. I am, uh, uh I'm, interested in what the SEC has chosen to do here. And, um, and I do kind of wonder, like, did they talk to technical folks and say, look, what's, what can we expect somebody in a reasonable, what, what would a reasonable person do in this case? And how much would they disclose? And how would they disclose it through what channels, et cetera? What, um, what should their internal actions have been when the engineering folks were raising these, you know, Kind of, they weren't whistleblowers per se, but they were they were folks saying, "Look, you know, there are more problems in this platform than our engineering team has capacity to fix, and they're fairly serious problems." Yeah. And so, at that point, what is your duty to disclose to you know, investors? Um, you could take a real hard line on that and say you need to tell them everything, but uh, nobody's going to do that. Uh, let's be clear: like, no company is going to fully disclose everything. They just can't. Right. Um, but uh, but there there's some sweet spot between what's responsible to disclose and what's still safeguarding uh, your customers and your own company um, that the SEC would certainly assert in this case was not met by the folks at SolarWinds. 
Gotcha. This got you. Got, you both kind of went into the last question I had, which was, um, you know, how do we think this is going to change or has changed the landscape? the landscape of cybersecurity. Is there is there anything else that we want to, you know, say about that before we, you know, we jump into our rating for this? Well, I think that sort of the tragic thing here is that, like I was saying, that even by before this uh, solar winds came to light, there was this growing sense of almost like compassion or just understanding or forgiveness, whatever you want to call it, that, look, everybody's got vulnerabilities. Every organization either has already been breached and maybe they know about it or don't, or they're going to be. Um, and there's a certain amount of we're all in this together. And there's a, so there's some goodwill that's extended. I mean, and we have, you know, these huge players that have vulnerabilities that 10 years ago, I would have thought oh, that's the end of the company, surely, you know. Um, and yet it's not because we all kind of get it. But um, when you find out that, well, maybe this um, company was deliberately and sort of willfully underplaying the level of risk and the problems that they knew that they had, that's going to undermine some of that goodwill. So actually, you know, there was the every chance that SolarWinds could have um, benefited from that goodwill. And this definitely is going to undermine that to some extent. So it's a, it's a bummer all the way around. Like there's no, there's no winner here. Um, it's just a, it's a sad deal. Absolutely. And do, do we think, um, you know, so the, you know, this attack has already happened, you know, a few years ago. Uh, and you know, like we're just talking about, um, you know, the, the SEC filing charges. Does, does this require a hoodie rating? Do we think? Um, yeah, that's I'm, a good question. I yeah. mean, I don't, I don't think. I think this is totally neutral. I don't, yeah. you know, sometimes we talk about stories where the government is bringing a case, and we're like, yeah, they're bringing a case against cyber adversaries. It's great, you know, or we love seeing arrests or people getting put in jail or whatnot, um, who have done terrible things. And, you know, this is not that. Um, yeah. so it doesn't merit the yummy chocolate chip goodies that you would see in, in those kind of cases, but it's also, um, this story doesn't represent a specific threat to all of us. You know, everybody yeah. who's, who's got Orion has reasons to be concerned still. Um, but, uh, but that's kind of the, that's the, background for this story and not the story itself. So yeah, I, I think it's neutral. I wonder if we could like rate it in terms of robes of Lady Justice. Like how many <laughs> oh, <laughs> how many robes of justice? I like right. that. The hoodie for justice, right? Lady Justice instead of hoodies, there's robes. <laughs> yeah, or scales. Like how Yeah, how many scales? How many scales or how, how big the scales are or something like that. Yeah, that's like a good that. idea. We should we should consider that. We'll have to write a uh, uh, RFC on that. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Consider it for future shows. Yeah, but for right now, we will consider this neutral. Well, that's my that's my yeah. take. But I, case I mean, closed. Yeah, <laughs> we did it. As ju Judge John Hodgman would say, "This is the sound of a gavel." <laughs> <laughs> Walter Cronkite, and that's the way it is. Mm. Is that what he said? Yes. Okay. That's the way it is. Okay. Good. <laughs> and then he'd say the date. Yep. <laughs> All right. My family had dinner with Walter Cronkite every night for many, many years. Oh wow! We used to we used to do that 
But that's just because my dad was in local TV news, so we had to watch the news every day. <laughs> so informed. Um, okay, well, th- thank you so much, Tim. Uh, we're going to take a quick break before we uh, talk about our next article, but please stay tuned and we're going to come back and talk about end day, but today. Howdy, Breaking Badness listener. Tim from the team here saying that wherever you are and whenever it is that you listen, we appreciate you. We hope the appreciation is mutual, and if it is, we'd love for you to do the things. What things? You know, the podcast enthusiast things. Mash on that subscribe button and that like button and that five stars button, and then mash on a bunch of other keys in a way that forms a message to a friend or two telling them about Breaking Badness. We'd be so thankful. And now, let's get back to the episode. All right, we're back. How's everybody doing? Feeling good. Feeling good? Did 100 burpees. Really? Impressive. I I actually don't know if I've done 100 burpees in my life. Like collectively? (laughs) I'm not really sure I've done like 10. Yeah, I probably have done 100, but boy, yeah, those are tough. They're really hard. (laughs) They're good for you, though. Oh, but at what cost? (laughs) Oh, yeah. But uh, we, we could we could talk about our next article, right, Tay? Why not? I mean, and it's end day, but today I've got two musical references in uh, in today's episode. This so I had great. one up top in my name, and this one is from. Does anybody know? Oh no! no. Drawing a blank. <laughs> Rent. <laughs> mm. It's no day, but today. I've actually ah. never seen Rent, which is a gap in my cultural it's a- understanding. It's okay. <laughs> I've done the the show on which it's based loosely, which is uh, La Boheme, many times, mm-hmm. but uh, oh, but I've never seen cool. Rent. I, you know, what's interesting is seeing children do rents. That's <laughs> <laughs> ah. <laughs> if if you can see it, I would recommend that. It's pretty funny. <laughs> That's a pretty good idea. This week There's on a... Breaking Badness recommends. <laughs> Go see your local children's theater your performance local... event. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm like, because you're like, how did this happen? What is this going to? What are they going to keep in? What are they going to take out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like when they do hair. Oh, yeah. That's another interesting some, one. Some, yeah. Some <laughs> things they're going to have to think about carefully. <laughs> oh, yeah. We have like a, a local children's theater. And that's where I saw. That's the only time I've ever seen rent is is done by children. I think you know. <laughs> Not isn't it been on Broadway for like thirty years? Listen, I got other stuff. Going Forever. On. I, I I hear you. No, I haven't seen it there either. <laughs> but anyway, so end day, but today. So Mandiant um, identified as uh, zero day exploitation of CVE twenty twenty three. Dash 4966 impacting Netscaler ADC and Netscaler Gateway appliances. Ooh, Citrix. So, so Taylor, can we can we start? Uh, let's you know. I, I like to start you know at the at the beginning. So, what exact like for people that might not know, what exactly is Netscaler ADC and Netscaler Gateway? 
Yeah, so Netscaler ADC, Netscaler Gateway. Uh, these are, they were formerly known as like Citrix uh, Access Gateway. Netscaler's ADC, which is an application delivery controller. The ADC is a networking appliance uh, that helps give access like load balancing and SSL offloading. It's a web application firewall. Uh, the Netscaler Gateway is a gateway. So it's a VPN. Uh, it uh, is an endpoint. It's a single sign-on. So, you know, there's... Um, you know, the, these are kind of two kind of prominently <laughs> situated <clears throat> appliances uh, in someone's networking stack. Gotcha. Okay. And what, so with this particular uh, exploitation, what was the challenge in investigating a, a vulnerable appliance here? Well, yeah, interestingly enough, this, uh, to really go back to the beginning, we got to go back to uh, the summer in a prior uh, Citrix uh, oh. zero day that um, was a kind of a variation of a theme of this one, uh, where they were able to kind of overload SAML authentication requests uh, and do very similar stuff to what's happening here. Um, you know, so like this, this kind of starts back over the summer. I uh, a so like like the the Citrix folks published a published a patch for these things and said like, hey, there's a pretty big vulnerability in this patch that we that we fixed. So y'all, you know, everyone should go ahead and patch this thing. Uh, a company called Asset Notes, with which they run IAM and and uh, like vulnerability management things. Um, they decided to reverse engineer the patch to try to figure out kind of what the vulnerability was specifically and then try to build a proof of concept and then go hunting for that type of thing right so they were able to do just that back over the summer uh, and determined it was an issue with the way that these things handled their uh their saml which is their kind of um it's like an open standard data format for handling authentication and then this in this particular this newer one is very similar but it's using open id which is uh a, a slightly different um, standard for doing authentication. Um, so, you know, it helps handle like MFA and these types of things. So when you are able to overflow these things, you get a like root level access on these devices, which is really, really, really bad. Oh, wow. Uh, that does sound pretty intense. Um, and, <laughs> and you, and you might've, you know, mentioned this a little bit in, in that answer, but I yeah. like just to go a little more in in detail. Oh yeah, because so you did specifically ask like what makes it tough to find this thing, and the Mandiant folks. So the Mandiant folks took the asset note. Uh, research and on this more recent patch that Citrix put out and said, hey, there's another like 9.4 vulnerability on the Richter scale. Uh, the asset note folks started to figure it out and the Mandiant folks also reverse engineered that patch and built a working proof of concept for the vulnerability and then went hunting for uh, kind of signs of use of that type of vulnerability across the visibility that they have. And they found like a bunch, it <laughs> turns out. But it's really, really tricky to like... Um, fully discover this thing uh because they like basically like <laughs> it wipes the logs <laughs> like it doesn't log any of this stuff that you're doing um though you know the the way that this vulnerability works there's no logs that are created so you have to go hunting at a couple of other types of logs so logs uh you know from the like product itself so ns.log is coming from the netscaler 
product. And so they can go hunting for there and look for, you know, hey, the same IP address a bunch or like fake IP addresses that don't exist or, you know, mismatches in IPs. And they can go look at things like their Windows registry keys to see stuff there. But you can't, it's not easy just to, you know, there's no smoking gun uh, on the box when this thing, is, is, this particular vulnerability is utilized. So you have to go kind of sniffing around behaviorally in different logs to see if there's any evidence of this. And, and what what about the this article specifically mentioned? There were two types of logs that were spit, like very useful in identifying yeah. the historical. Can we talk more about those? Yeah, two so logs? De- definitely the Netscaler log, so an yeah. SDOT log, and those Windows okay. registry keys are where you're going to find um, the kind of oddities that may indicate that this is being utilized on your particular Citrix uh, gateway. Gotcha. And um, so Mandy had also observed some post-exploitation tactics. Like, can we can we talk a little bit more about what those were? Yeah. So, you know, given that they've seen this a lot, uh, you know, they were able to kind of look at what these folks did, uh, you know, after they were able to use this. And so they found a couple of things, a lot of very similar, like the standard stuff you might expect. So they're going to do some like enumeration. We're going to do like poking around the network. We're going to see what type of access we have, what we can see. Um you know, like they also uh, like started looking for like credential dumps using Mimikatz, which is a tool that allows you to go hunting for credentials that uh, are you know, flying over the network. And yeah, you know, just like the standard like initial access stuff, um, you know, that, that you might see like getting prepped for like, hey, how do I get in and start encrypting the things that are, you know, really, in, you know, interesting for an organization or, you know, for some of these organizations, maybe they just want to break in and establish that foothold and persistence and then move on from there. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So um, it's linked in the article and we'll we'll share it in our show notes, but um, do can we talk about some of the um remediation recommendations Mandiant had? Yeah. So from the Mandiant side, like the documentation they're giving the guides on, you know, remediation for this include obviously installing that patch, going hunting for the various behavioral uh, indicators that might show you, hey, someone has used this against you. Um, And, you know, that's at this point, it's tough to do a whole lot more than that. You're going to kill all the sessions and, you know, rotate all your credentials and all that good stuff. Interesting. Okay, so um, so we didn't really do a rating on our first article because it was a little, it was more neutral in uh, in what it is. But you know, if you're a newer listener to um, the Breaking Badness podcast, you, um, after we talk about our articles, we should we like to give them a rating between one and ten hoodies. If you think about the stereotypical hacker in a hoodie, where one is not so bad and ten is absolutely devastating, <laughs> and and like we mentioned earlier in the episode, Solar Winds is about a nine. Uh, if we want to, you know, think about that kind of scale. So, um, Tim, we'll start with you. So, um, listening to Taylor describe. Uh, this zero day exploitation, what would you, what would you rate this as? You know, having a patch in place for it, um, lessens the severity of course. Um, but as, as you pointed out, these appliances are sit in a very, um, a very critical position because they have to be exposed to the internet. That's sort of what they're for, right? Is uh, mediating these connections in and out of the environment, um, so they have to be exposed to 
to bad guys, uh, essentially. And yet they also, if compromised, they, the inside of them faces uh, a lot of very sensitive uh, network infrastructure and, and assets and so forth. So that means it's, uh, that argues for higher severity. So since it's patched, I'm going to call this a, hmm. I'm gonna oh, wait, call it a I should, wait, hang on, hang on. Sorry, Tim. I should, I should have added this because this may change your hoodie rating. Uh, the Mandian team says that they've seen exploitation of this going back to August. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, well, <laughs> I mean, maybe that doesn't change how you feel about it right now, but you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know that that to me is, is um, yeah very interesting. Yeah, it is. So, okay, um, I will I will raise my uh, hoodie rating to six point five, and the uh, the half a hoodie we're gonna do it's gonna be totally diagonal. I think I might have done that yes. once before, and I really okay. like the idea. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's a good look. A, I like that. Fifty percent on the diagonal, sort of the way I, uh, the only proper way to cut grilled cheese sandwiches. Also, it's that's true. That's and just, they taste better if you cut them diagonally. It's unequivocally mm. true. That's also scientific. I hadn't yeah. thought about that that much. Is this a surface area of cheesiness kind of a deal? That yeah, that's probably I think what it's, it is. Okay. The hypotenuse tastes better. Tim. <laughs> Like I think you know when it's on the on the diagonal like that, it's easier to dip. Ooh. Oh, that's a good point too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. all sorts Which of advantages. It's important to me. Structural advantages. Got it. Yes, got it. All right, Tay. What about you? <laughs> I, uh, you know, just because it's kind of the second time it's come around, it's, uh, I think it's. A, I'll give it like a seven point one two. Point one two. Yeah, yeah. And what is and that? It's just the hood. It's just the hood. Yeah, it's just the hood. Okay. Yeah, just it goes just a little hood over your head. That's is, it. A, is a hood? I mean, that seems like it would be kind of a small hood. Like I don't know, twelve percent of a hoodie. I I don't know what percent of the hoodie the hood is. Maybe that's maybe that's about well, right. I guess like is it a child's hoodie? The sole of the hoodie, ten percent of well, it's we're easily in the hood. The, yeah, <laughs> we're thinking about the. This is a matter of proportion. So whether I, it's it a kid hoodie or an adult hoodie, it might be. It feels like that'd be a slightly small hood, but it's maybe it's right. Maybe it shrunk in the wash. You think it should be more, like seven point one eight? If if the objective is to yeah. include the hood, yeah, okay, might, seven point one eight, like seven point one eight, a little yeah. better. Seven point one eight, let's call it. So shall it be written? <laughs> yep. Now, now you can write it in ink. I, that's exactly what I wrote it in with my pen. I'm really trying not to click. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, Callie, I appreciate your not clicking that pen, and I can say for for all of us who are fidgety, you know that's a that's a big deal. And then, uh, so you're you're not clicking your pen here, and now I have somebody building a house across the alley from me. So people are probably going to hear hammer blows in this uh, episode, and uh, apologies in advance for that, uh, or in in arrears, I guess, since you probably already heard some of them. I didn't hear anything. But well, it, we'll, it might, we'll hope it didn't come through. It might be different, you know, once once you get into the editing process. But right now, that's I can, right. I and can't. some of our listeners, you know, frankly, you're probably listening to this podcast with somebody running a leaf blower right next to you anyway. So that'll mask some of that stuff. <laughs> every day, every day, somebody's. Why are you doing that? <laughs> <laughs> I know it, when I hear a leaf blower, I'm just like, I know I work from home. Do you all work from home? <laughs> 
And also, if so, why are you leaf blowing right now? Anyway. All right. Well, thank you, Taylor. We appreciate you going through uh, through that article. Do we want, before we exit today, we want to do some gold guidance and grievances, not in that order? Yes. Yes. Excellent. All right. So again, if you're a newer listener, we, we've been uh, enjoying ending our episodes with uh, what we call gold guidance and grievances, uh, where we start with the grievances, because again, um, ending on the grievance... Uh, Sometimes it's a real, bummer. It's a bummer. It's real bad vibes. And um, and we're not interested in that around here. So um, Tim and Taylor will share something um, positive or, or good. Uh, that's their gold, um, their guidance. Um, pretty self-explanatory. Any advice that they might have. And then, of course, any grievances, you know, any anything that's grinding their gears within the industry right now. So... Um, Taylor, we just heard from you. So maybe Tim, we'll, we'll start with you on gold guidance and grievances. All right. Well, um, so we will start with my grievance, which has to do with ad blockers and the general, this crackdown on ad blockers. The ad blocker war is getting pretty intense right now. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll link to a... Um, an article that Wired did about uh, how YouTube's crackdown on ad blockers has spurred record numbers of uninstalls of ad blockers, which just makes me want to weep. Uh, and it's it's immensely frustrating. Um, so, you know, I understand if I go and visit a, I don't know, like some small, scrappy journalistic publication and they say, hey, you know, we really need ads to, to survive here. Okay, if they're small and scrappy, I can buy that. But um, but these ad blocker wars are driving me crazy. So um, so that's my grievance, and my guidance is on this same topic, which is basically keep using ad blockers. <laughs> uh, you got to fight this um, <laughs> as much as possible, uh, and um, you know look for there's there's uh, there's various kind of ways around it and or different practices different you know get get media from different sources and so forth buy a newspaper but you buy a newspaper get off the how internet. about that yeah <laughs> talk to your friends um so but i uh i am not giving up my ad blockers and if it means i'm going to miss out on a certain amount of youtube content so be it is kind of how i feel about it but yeah uh, fight the power Fight the power. Yep. So that's my guidance. And my gold, completely different. Uh, my gold has to do with the new Beatles song that is out. Uh, you yes. might have heard about this. It's called Now and Then. And uh, where it ties to technology, like we've talked about. First of all, of course, if you're going to have a new Beatles song, it has to rely on technology since there are only two Beatles left. Uh, and this song includes input from all four Beatles. So, um, but... This you know, is a, it doesn't have to be technology. Could have been mysticism. Maybe a whole oh, seance, well, right? Uh, yeah, but does that come through on the? Uh, uh, does that come through the soundboard to me? Yeah, I bet the, the quality's real the bad. Best. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta take that into consideration. And this was this was a, an application of AI that I felt unambiguously was really cool. And it's not that they used AI to. Uh, generate John Lennon's voice, which would have been horrifying. Um, I'm sure there are AIs that do that. Uh, but what the AI did instead was, so the only, this song was built around a tape 
a cassette tape that John Lennon recorded at his apartment um, not long before he died, tragically. Uh, and the sound quality was poor. And um, not only that, but he was he was playing piano and he was just using one mic. So the mic had the piano part and his singing. And that makes it very hard to record and get a, a real clean recording of the studio quality that we expect. But this AI that Peter Jackson, uh, I guess, um, helped develop uh, or had something to do with. Um, well, he did that documentary to, on them. Yeah, in that 30-hour or whatever yeah. documentary, right? So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was a huge uh, technology investment there. And the, what the AI did is it separated out um, his voice from the piano track. And it did it brilliantly. I mean, it, it sounds like it was recorded in the studio. So, you know, it's not my favorite Beatles song out of their whole repertoire. But it's really cool how they were able to put this together. And apparently uh, Ringo and Paul were just uh, really happy and excited to be able to do this project. And I think there, there is a, uh, there is a guitar solo that George recorded back in the nineties that is, uh, that features on this also. So there are contributions from all four of them on it. So, uh, anyway, check that out. That's my gold. Excellent. Who's your favorite Beatle? Well, I'm a drummer. So Ringo, I guess. Okay. I, okay. Uh, I'm yeah. a, I'm a George girl but, myself. Is that oh, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> After that documentary, I think it's Paul. Okay. Paul is amazing. Watching him sit at the middle of everything and trying to desperately keep everyone together. (laughs) I was like, I I, I feel for you. (laughs) And musically speaking, he, uh, you know, he plays everything pretty much. And he plays several instruments on this tune that I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, it's, it's, I can't, I can't fault anybody for going Paul. Yeah. No, absolutely not. He's also very good on SNL when he's on SNL. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Taylor. You I, have I to... like Ringo's wry sense of humor. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Me too. Oh, he's he's a really good sport, too. He was in mm-hmm. um, an Andy Samberg. I think it was Never Stop, Never Stopping. Uh, the <laughs> Lonely the pop Island. star. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he's really funny in that. Yep. So, all right, T- Taylor, you have to follow that. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> That's gonna be tough. Uh, okay, we'll go. But you're starting grievances. with your you're starting with your grievance. Grievances first. This one, you know, it's um, it's like the thing that grinds my gears is, <laughs> you know, last week we debuted our new uh our, our new segment of I can't even right now to discussing the trials <laughs> and tribulations of the I can organization. Uh, I'm gonna continue on the theme. Here's a here's a fun headline: Domain investor sues to try to get one character dot com domain names. So there is a domain investor that is currently suing ICANN, arguing that they have exclusive rights to a bunch of single character .com domain names, and they're trying to force ICANN to allow them to register those single character those .coms, uh, which would kind of be a bit so of a nightmare. What, there are, there's got to be a grand total of 37 of those, right? Mm-hmm. Like alphanumeric uh, plus the hyphen? Yeah, and so the 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 way that they're kind of like forcing this issue is they have registered a bunch of single character international domain names IDNs, um, uh, and so they're yeah. saying that because they have those internationalized uh, single character names, they should also have the standard uh, single character version. Now, I don't think this is going to go anywhere. It doesn't really, um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't think you could force someone to do that, but it is annoying, uh, and you know, like. 
uh, yeah, just it, it grinds my gears. It's my grievance. Okay. It <laughs> grinds my gears too now. Yeah. <laughs> what about guidance? You know, goals got like I had another grievance was for myself last week is, uh, you know, we've probably is this oops featured all grievances. Oops, it's oops, all grievances. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> On myself last week, you know, we, we featured a great article from 404 Media. It, you know, we did, I did not name Joseph Cox. And also, I didn't tell folks to subscribe to 404 Media, uh, you know, or to at least go in there, you know, give them give them some eyeballs for their ads or whatnot. Um, support them somehow. We it's tough for this industry to get you know, great independent journalists and, you know, folks that get it. Uh, it's so they need to be supported. I a hundred percent endorse that. And I don't think they did put up a, uh, a, you know, Hey, disable your ad blocker message. Um, when I was perusing their, uh, site recently, but they're, they're a perfect example of one that if they did, I'd be like, okay, I'll suspend the ad blocker for you all. Yep. Subscribe, go there, click on all their ads. <laughs> for, for you, I'll have some ads. <laughs> but, uh, you know, yes, for God's sake, let's, uh, let, let's keep them around. Yeah. What about gold? That's it. That's my, that, that's, that's the gold. That's yeah, go the, do that's that. That's your guidance and, and your gold. If you, if you follow my guidance, you're going to get some gold. <laughs> <laughs> I like Two that. for the price of one. Yeah. <laughs> it's a twofer right there. Well, cool. Very good, guys. I uh, I appreciate uh, both of you uh, sharing those articles today and your gold guidance and grievances. Um, thank you again to our listeners. We appreciate you tuning in every week and be sure to uh, to tune in next week. Uh, we've got some good stuff in the works, too, with Breaking Badness. Um, not next week, um, probably not the week of Thanksgiving in the U.S., uh, but we will be doing some book club stuff soon where we share our favorite InfoSec and cybersecurity books. And maybe it's we'll like our version of oops, all digressions, all digressions. It's like how it's really just how can we do an episode that's just digressions? <laughs> and this is what we've come up with. So that's going to be exciting. So I think that'll come uh, the week after Thanksgiving. So please, uh, you know, be on the lookout for that. But but thank you to Tim and Taylor for your time today. And we will catch you at the next episode of Breaking Badness. A pleasure as always. Thanks, everybody. everybody. Thank you. Bye. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at domaintools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click.